0: I'm sitting outside having a snack. This is the moment. We really all have two sides, right? We have a somebody side that thinks and plans and judges and evaluates. And then we have this nobody side to us that is in a flow, that steps back, that's mindful, that's clear. He told me to stare at the wall like it was my job. And I said, all right, I can do that. And he said, breathe normally.
1: Welcome to the Unlocking Happiness Podcast. I'm Amy Dix, international bestselling author, speaker, and founder of Choose Happy. Collectively, our community builds a better world. I believe life is made up of moments. We have short moments, long moments, good moments, and bad moments. We make sure that all of your life moments are filled with meaning and joy. Stick around to the end of the show. We'll reveal how you can be our next guest on the internet's happiest podcast. Now let's unlock happiness. Today, I am with J.A. Plosker, and we are talking about one of my favorite subjects, which is mindfulness. And we're gonna talk about not just your journey for mindfulness, but how we all can kind of take on this journey of mindfulness because it is such a key component for not only success, but for our happiness too. So welcome to the show, Jay. I'm so happy to have you here today.
0: Well, thank you. I, I appreciate the invitation.
1: Yeah, I think this is going to be a great conversation and One uh, that I hope helps clarify a lot of questions that people have about mindfulness. I know when I first heard the word mindfulness, I had no idea what it meant. And it just kind of felt like a little frou-frou to me. Like, oh, yeah, that's (laughs) just for those type of people, right? Right. So how do you define mindfulness? Mindfulness.
0: Well, you know, it's so interesting. I, I sort of gave up trying to define my <laughs> years ago when I started training on it, because I would ask audiences and people I was working with in client settings and how they would define it. And it was always so different. You know, everybody kind of has their own view on it. But really, I've kind of settled into this lane of it's really just about this awareness of the moment. It's this, you know, being in this present space without judging it, you know, without thinking about it is right or wrong or this and that or yes and no it's like it's you know it's about knowing what's going on right now and that's what's so fun about the term i think is that it it can it can work into so many different avenues and it can really fit into so many different lifestyles
1: i love that so really about being just like present in the moment
0: right whatever that means to you And, and you know without judgment i think that's really important too is that's what leads to so much unhappiness i think is this unhappiness with the way things are or how we think they should be and you sort of train your mind to get here you know to get now to get into this moment and you start to sort of let go of expectations let go of how you think things should be crafted now and just see it for what it is
1: I mean, that already just sounds so calming.
0: Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Like, wait, can we do that right now? But that's the beauty of mindfulness, right? Like, we can do it right now as you and I are speaking. I can be very mindful, right? And I should be very mindful right now. And and same with you. And so I think sometimes we have this like perception that mindfulness is almost like this deep meditation, but right. it doesn't need to be right?
0: Right, absolutely. And, and it's so many times those terms are linked, right? Because I think for a lot of people, they get to mindfulness through maybe a yoga practice. So there's a formality or they get to it through mindful meditation. So there's that extra piece. And so- So many of us, uh, we associate that term with something else instead of just thinking, you know, hey, I'm I'm on a break at work. I'm sitting outside having a snack. This is the moment. And so I think it's really important to separate it out as something that we can do now anywhere without anything really attached to it.
1: Yes. I think the attachment piece is really key, what you said. And then also the no judgment piece. So both of those are very, very key to what you're saying here. So what led you to this whole topic in wanting to spread the word on mindfulness, develop a coaching practice around mindfulness?
0: (laughs) Well, it's so many different. I really struggled. You know, know, I think sometimes people meet me now and they think that I don't have because I don't have certain reactions to certain things that I never did. And I used to struggle and I still do struggle mightily with stress and anxiety. That was a really, really, really big struggle in my life ever since I can remember. And I had this event. I had just graduated law school and I was Really struggling as to how I was going to frame my life. You know, play, what am I going to do in the future? Did I make mistakes in the past? That was really swirling very badly. And I actually had a meeting, this was in my mid 20s, with a spiritual teacher of mine. And he said, You can ask me any question, right? And you'll have the ear of the universe. Well, wow, right? You know, what an opportunity. So I couldn't think of anything to ask, which is usually what happens when you're presented with a choice like that. <laughs> And I said, well, look, should I continue to be a lawyer? Because I was blaming my job prospects on all of my difficulties at that time. And he said to me, he said, you know, what you do for a living doesn't define you. You know, planning for it, regretting that, that doesn't define you. He said, it's only work. And he said, I'm gonna have the universe bring you that message. Okay, great. You know, I was struggling with anxiety. I was struggling with depression. I wasn't really listening to that. So I went home. And a few days later, my dad calls me out of nowhere. And he says, he says, the weirdest thing just happened. He Mm -hmm. said, I'm at home alone. He said, there's nobody here with me. He said, a man's voice just spoke to me and said, call your son and tell him it's only work. He said, does that mean anything to you?
1: Oh, wow.
0: So I was right in the moment. And in that moment, I realized I had to make some changes. I I couldn't quite process that, Mm -hmm. but I was so in the moment. I, I was so in tune with that event and it forced me to make some changes. I realized that I was so much in the future, so much in the past, I was never here. So I have a background in comparative, you know, religion, comparative studies and philosophy. And I dove back into all those books and what could I learn about them? How can they help me? And over and over and over through my studies, in personal development and my studies in ancient history, I kept finding mindfulness. I kept finding it. It kept coming up over and over. And I started to practice slowly. A few minutes a day, I started to catch myself, right? When I was drifting forward or drifting back. And over time, over days, over months, over decades, I slowly brought myself to a center point. And that was that's the journey. Now there's a lot, of course, now that doesn't mean I've achieved any kind of perfection right now, but that tool has been in my belt now for decades. And I've been practicing it all because of that moment that brought me to a place I couldn't deny.
1: that's a really powerful story. And there's a lot of things there that you said that I think are important to point out. One, just like you were constantly worrying about the past or about the future. And I can't remember who just said it to me, but someone just said it to me very recently. If you stop thinking about the past and stop thinking about the future, then your only opportunity is the now. And (laughs) your only opportunity is the now then think about how much less stress you're going to have, right? We hate our own stress based on, okay, shoots. I have to do this, this, and this, and this all by the end of the day. Like I might be talking to you now, but thinking, Oh, I've got to get all these other things done. What am I going to do that? And I'm sitting here talking to you, but I'm not in the moment. This isn't happening, by the way, but <laughs> I'm saying it good. Uh, or you can think about the past. Like you could be sitting there having a conversation with someone going, oh, I really should have, you know, addressed that situation differently. And so so now you, you're creating all this stress and anxiety in yourself and you're creating it in the now. But if you don't think about the past and the present, you only have the now, then all that stress can be alleviated and so you mentioned that and I wanted to point that out because I think that's a really key component about mindfulness what advice do you have for people who feel like mindfulness is like way out of their scheme like I'm never going to achieve mindfulness like it's almost overwhelming what advice do you have for those people?
0: well it's funny because that way of thinking is that's that's the entry point right? that's, well, there's a million, (laughs) there's as many entry points as there are beings on the planet, but that's an entry point to think that something is unattainable or to think that, you know, to create that kind of judgment around it, you've already kicked the stool out. So I always say to people, the distraction is the practice, right? Because people say, well, I can't sit and meditate. I can't do mindfulness because I get too distracted. That's the practice. So if you say to yourself, well, I can't do this. It's too out there for me. The practice is bring yourself back from that thought. Become aware of what you're feeling about mindfulness. Use your feelings about mindfulness to practice mindfulness. Get to know what you're thinking. So I would say to people, use that resistance as your opportunity to practice. Because if that's what you're feeling right now, that's what you got. If that's all the money that you have to spend right now at the candy store, buy whatever you can. Mm -hmm. So I think that's really the entree. The other thing is also learn about it. You know, don't the best way to conquer, at least for me, a fear of something is to, is to get to know it a little better. So if you, if you have that resistance to mindfulness, read about it. I published a book, my novel in audible silence takes one of the protagonists, his mentor takes him through mindful practice and why it matters. But you don't have to read my book to get that. Just Google it and learn about it. So those are two really important things. You know, embrace that feeling and get to know it a little better.
1: And how do you think mindfulness can change people's lives? Like in what ways can mindfulness change people's lives?
0: Oh, let me count the ways. Look, I'll, you know, the reason I share that story, I give a TEDx talk that involved that story. And the reason I tell that story on any stage, it's such a personal story, is because it had such a profound effect on my life. It saved my life. And people think that's overselling it, right? But that's very personal to me. I can't oversell something to myself. So I think for me, it it saved my life. But there's so many little ways that it can change a life along the way. You know, I think it gets us to look at arguments in a different light. It gets us to look at discomfort in a different light. It gets us to look at like disagreements with coworkers, rush hour traffic. Our friend maybe sends a bit of a passive aggressive text and and we hold back from texting back something angry and we save a friendship. The thing with mindfulness is it can help us in the moment, but as you build on it incrementally, you can then look back and see how it's changed your life over a course of time. How it, like I said, how it maybe saved a friendship kept a marriage peaceful for the day kept you working instead of getting fired these are all the small ways that stopping breathing assessing knowing what's on our minds these are the ways that can help us and it's it's again as many humans as are on the planet are as many different ways as it can help us
1: very powerful you mentioned your ted talk your tedx talk in which you talk about teaching your daughter to be a nobody.
0: Right.
1: (laughs) Uh, Tell us about that.
0: (laughs) Well, the first book I ever wrote was called The Nobody Bible. And it takes a look at all the world's ancient wisdom traditions. Well, not all of them, but, you know, (laughs) a few of the major traditions. And I pull out little kernels from those traditions. And I show how being mindful, in a sense, knowing about how we can use those ancient traditions. We can build a bridge to the ancients in modern life simply by being aware of how small things we do can have a huge impact. And over time, that nobody concept, you know, we don't have to be anybody special to do this, evolved into this idea that we really all have two sides, right? We have a somebody side that thinks and plans and judges and evaluates. And then we have this nobody side to us that is, in a flow that steps back, that's mindful, that's clear. And so what I mean is when we talk about being nobody, teaching my daughter in addition to being the amazing somebody that she's going to be, to also understand that there's a time to step aside, let someone else talk, be charitable, give something away, help someone else succeed. So the whole concept of the Nobody Project was really about turning this negative on its ear and showing how when we're somebody and nobody together, we become complete. And it's ironic and it's wonderful. And that's another concept that came to me years ago from teachers and from my own study that really, really had a powerful impact and and even fired up the mindfulness idea even more.
1: How do you think mindfulness can like calm chaos in the world?
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's a great question. I I think we don't often think about it on that big of a scale, right? Because we think about, well, you know, I'm having an argument right now. Let me just catch and stop and become aware. But imagine if groups, if there was a moment, if there was a stop before a speak, right? If people thought before they fired off tweets, or posted certain things onto social media, how would that change the flow of the world? How would that change, for lack of a better term, I don't know, the energy of the world? If people thought before they spoke, if people knew what was on their minds before they tried to change other people's minds, I think that would really have a profound impact because people would be a lot more centered and a lot more charitable towards other people and, and towards other points of view because they would be less likely to judge. And I think that's that's why it's so important to get these messages of mindfulness out there.
1: And how do you think we can do a better job to get these messages out there? I mean, <laughs> when you just said all that, it sounds like, wow, what a beautiful world we could live in. You know? <laughs> not that it's not a beautiful world, but there's obviously some things that could uh, be better. So, and, and, and calm the chaos. So how do we spread this message faster into a bigger audience?
0: Well, it all starts with embodying it ourselves, of course, right? So, you know, so we have to practice. But I think podcasts like this, you know, giving people a platform to talk about ways to increase happiness and bringing mindfulness in as a part of that, teaching it in schools. I know there's a big movement. I used to have a podcast that I did called The Nobody Guide to Life. And I interviewed a few people that worked in schools helping children to develop mindful practices. You know, I'm teaching my daughter that. I think it really is a grassroots movement. It starts with teaching our children, teaching ourselves, teaching our friends. I give little talks, I give little trainings, and then I hear back from people that they took it back to their office and they train their therapists and then their therapists train their clients. So I think slow and steady wins the race, right? And so that's why I write the books I write. That's why I coach the way I coach. It's why my wife and I are starting up another personal growth podcast and mindfulness is going to be a strong part of that. That's how we do it. And I think, like I said, it's like this podcast, it's a grassroots effort, teaching others and giving other people a platform to spread the message. It's so important.
1: So if we don't learn as a child, um, (laughs) is it too late?
0: No, no, I I give talks. Sometimes I'm asked to give talks about my books. And I've spoken to groups of people that you know, maybe the average age was 70, 80 years old in some of these groups. And we do these mindfulness practices and people will come up to me and say, you know, I learned something years ago and I didn't even realize it was mindfulness. Like uh, they prayed or something and, and whatever their tradition was. Or somebody once said that they got grounded when they were a child and their mother sent them to their room and all they had to do was sit and think. And they re- you know, we had this whole conversation about that's actually a form of, of mindfulness, even though it seems a little off-kilter for that. But it's never too late. And I think if people look back over the course of their lives, what they're going to realize is that they've been practicing it all along in small ways that they never even realized.
1: Yeah, I think that that is really important because as you were saying that, I started thinking, yeah, yeah. I did too. We didn't call it mindfulness back then, you know, it's a little bit of a newer word. (laughs) And so, but there are different ways to be mindful. And I think it's important, you know, you talked about like not judging yourself when you're in this mindful state, but also not judging other people and how they practice mindfulness.
0: Absolutely. 100%. I think that's so important. You know, if people aren't particularly religious in any way, and but they see somebody lighting a candle for the dead to remember them, that's a form of mindfulness. Or you you know, there are people who take intentional walks So they walk very slowly or you drive differently. You know, some people get on the freeway. I've met people who said they use driving as an opportunity to really focus. They don't go too much over the speed limit and they try to pay total attention to the road. Well, you know, if you come up behind that person and start (laughs) honking at them, you know, you don't know what they're doing. People have different ways of engaging their day, even if they don't call it mindfulness. So to judge any practice is sketchy at best. Look, that doesn't mean we celebrate violence. What it means is we take a stop, we pause, we think about what we're seeing, we think about how we feel about it, and then we make an informed decision about how we're going to react. And I think judgment is very much that way. And I love that you said that, not judging how other people go through their day, not judging how other people practice mindfulness. That's really important. That's a very important idea here.
1: And I think too, you can take like a negative, moment if you will and turn it into a positive with mindfulness you gave me the idea of you know right now I was telling you we're in Mexico and in Puerto Vallarta there's all these cobblestone streets yes. and they hurt yeah <laughs> <laughs> you easy to walk on and when you're talking about mindful walking I thought man next time I go out and I'm walking on these cobblestone streets instead of thinking to myself, ah, this is not that comfortable Instead, <laughs> to be very mindful and say, okay, this is what it feels like on my feet. Every time I roll over that rock, you know, some <laughs> right. are bigger than others and some are smaller, but that is truly taking mindfulness to the present moment in whether it is a positive or a negative moment. So you can change the way that you think about a moment if you kind of can go, okay, let's take a step back. Let's be mindful in this one moment, you know? That's right. Uh, so That's you get me that idea. I will do it. I will report back.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'll do that. I'll like, you know, I'll take my kiddo for a walk and I will tell her she loves climbing on rocks. She just loves that. And I'll slip it in in ways, look, I'm not going to, you know, sit her down and we're not going to meditate. I I just say to her, all right, now watch where you step, you know, feel it. How does your foot feel on that piece? And she goes, it's a little slippy. Okay, move it. Oh, that feels better. We train ourselves and we train others to do it by just doing what we're doing. So we take mindful walks. Well, she doesn't know it's a mindful walk. She just thinks we're walking on slippery rocks. So (laughs) I will stop and I'll say, oh, look at the trees swaying. And she'll just stop and look. And then I'll ask her questions about it. It's about training the mind to pay attention to what's going on in the moment. It's as simple as that. And remember, Amy, the distraction is the practice, right? So if you find yourself getting distracted by the sights and sounds of the street you're on, gently bring your attention back to the cobblestones and continue walking. No judgment. No, oh, I forgot I was supposed to pay attention to the... (laughs) gently bring your feet back to the streets of Puerto Vallarta and keep walking. The distraction is the practice. So, and that's the beauty of it.
1: The distraction is the practice. (laughs) That's the quote. quote. I love it. I love it. We have a a sister podcast called happiest places to work. And so I want to ask you, how can we bring mindfulness into the workplace? A lot of times I think that people think it doesn't belong in the workplace, but all this, happy, doesn't belong in the workplace. But I don't think, obviously, I think that could be further from the truth. So how can we bring mindfulness into the workplace?
0: Well, think about the best boss you've ever had. And chances are that boss did not scream and yell and go hysterical and blame you for every single thing, right? And that, keep that in your mind. Because I think that's the motivation to bring mindfulness into the office. Because I think the way to do it is, take a look at what you have at your desk. Take a look at what you're sitting in front of and see how you can use that to practice. And this harkens back to what we were talking about before. A difficult client, that email that pops up from that client, whoever it is, fill in the blank. (laughs) Fill in the blank. How does it make you feel? You don't have to share this with anybody. You don't have to have a seminar at work on this. Just look at that email and before you open it, pay attention to how it makes you feel. You're sitting at your desk and that coworker comes in, whoever it is, before you run away in your mind on that journey you take, you know, when you see that person coming for the day, how does that make you feel? Do this all the time. Do this all day. If you're about to eat some junk food, but you know you don't want to, maybe you you have this you know, issue, it's fine. Don't judge yourself for it how does that vending machine at work make you feel? Just notice. The way you bring it into work is slowly by noticing what's around you at work, noticing the impact it has in your body and your mind, and enforcing a stop and pause before a reaction. Learning to respond at work instead of react. Learning to take a breath and say good morning instead of letting your mind go off in different directions. And it's slow, it takes practice. But even though it can take a while to see what you might consider to be a successful result, you can practice it immediately and feel its effects now. So you do it slowly, you do it measuredly, and you do it with patience, just like you would anything else. And you don't have to talk to your coworkers about it. No one has to know you're doing it.
1: Right. <laughs> keep it in your desk. <laughs> Whether work or in your personal life, right? So. Yep. Either way. I love that. I, I think that that's great. I believe that we need happier workplaces right. and we need to do a better job getting this message into workplaces as well. So thanks Agreed. for the little tips. What tools are out there and available for people who are listening and saying, okay, I think I'm going to either start, right? I think I need to start this whole mindfulness thing or people who are out there who have been practicing it, but maybe want to take it to the next level.
0: Well, I have on my website at japlosker.com, I have a free mindfulness quick start guide, totally free. It'll take you through journaling, it'll take you through a little practice. You can do it right now, like right as soon as this podcast ends. There are so many resources. I told you my book, in Audible Silence, I write about mindfulness in there and its impact on, you know, the main character. You can go to millions of websites that have nothing to do with my website and there are so many exercises out there. There are apps out there that can help walk you through this. YouTube is filled with these things, body scans, breathing techniques. Some people like the binaural beats, I don't know much about that, but I know some people who love that. Anything that focuses you, any practice, there's all kinds of things out there about mindful eating, mindful journaling, and all it can take is a quick Google search. And when you find a practice that works for you, go for it. The the first, that teacher I told you about a few minutes ago, when I met him, when I was 20, he gave me my very first practice. And it was the simple mindful meditation practice. It was, he told me to stare at the wall like it was my job. And I said, all right, I can do that. And he said, breathe normally. I was like, all right, I can do that. And he said, if anything takes your attention away from the wall or your breath, gently bring it back. Mm. 26 years later, I'm still practicing that technique. And because it works for me. So any small technique that you can find out there that works for you, take it and practice it. But they're all over. It's so easy to find. And that's what's so wonderful about it.
1: Let's give them your website once again, because I love that idea of the quick start guide. Is that what it's called? Quick start yep. guide to mindfulness. So it is J-A-P-L-O-S-K-E-R.com.
0: Are you right. Right? And if right? You- Right. And if you just do, if you do japlosker.com forward slash links, it'll take you to all that stuff. The mindfulness quick start guide is there. My books are there and they're just simple, easy resources that people can pick up and use right now.
1: Awesome. Jay, I have another question for you. How would you define happy?
0: You know, (laughs) that's a great question to me. You know, happiness is a state. And so for me, happiness is that moment in the day where i'm at peace. To me it doesn't look like it doesn't look like balloons or or confetti, it doesn't look like laughter. It looks like a sense of peace. And i think that's why mindfulness resonates with me because it's my daily daily search and practice to get to peace. So that's what it looks like to me.
1: Amazing. Okay, two part question. First part, if you only had seven more days left to live, what would you do?
0: (laughs) No, I spend them all with my family. I, I don't know what I would do Amy, but I know that my wife and my kiddo would be glued to my side. Not even a question. Not even a question.
1: So now the second part of that is if you only had seven more days left to live, and you couldn't, be celebrating with your family, uh, but instead you're, you are just laying in a bed and mm-hmm. essentially dying and you can't get up and walk or you know celebrate that last dinner together or whatever that looks like to you. So really the only thing that's left is for you to give your imparting wisdom. What do you want the world to know?
0: Try to find a practice in your life that brings you some kind of peace and meaning. Because I, I, I spent so much of my life in the future and so much of my life in the past that I forgot to look for things that I could do right now that brought me peace and meaning. So I would just tell people, please, I don't care what it is. If it's baking cookies, if it's lighting a candle in your church, if it's meditating, if it's somebody I met, it was baking bread was a very mystical thing to them. Find a practice that brings you some peace and just make that the focus of your life.
1: Great advice. Stop looking into the past. Stop looking in the future. Live the now. Jay, thank you so much for being on the show today. I cannot wait to live more in the now and take some of the practices that you have taught us today into the rest of my day, the rest of my week, the rest of my life. We need more people like you. We need bigger messages like this out there. So thank you for the work that you do. And how can people find you if they may want to work with you or they want to get a copy of your book? Where can they find you?
0: Well, they can go to that japlosker.com forward slash links. If, you know, if people want me to speak, I, I have a media page there. And if people want the books, the books are there. If people want coaching, that's there. Or they could just follow me on Instagram at japlosker. And I just post stuff about my life. I post stuff about mindfulness and they can get to know me before they commit to a book or to coaching. And I just, if anybody wants to reach out to me, they can. And I'd like to hear from people.
1: Thank you so much. Amy Dix here. Thank you so much for listening to Unlocking Happiness. I hope you loved the show. And if you did, post a link to your social media, tag a friend, and hit that subscribe button on Apple Podcasts. Help spread more happiness in the world by leaving us a review. If you would like to learn more about what we do, visit choose happy.me. And if you want to be a future guest, click on the podcast tab to learn more. If you know someone that would be a great guest, tag them on social media to let them know about the show and include the hashtag unlocking happiness with amy Dix. i love seeing your posts and guest suggestions we are regularly putting out new episodes and content to make sure you don't miss any episodes go ahead and hit subscribe your thumbs up ratings and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean the world to me and my team Want to know more? Go to our website, choose happy.me, or join our Facebook group called The Happiest Group on Facebook. Thanks for listening. This is Amy Dix, and we will see you next time.